So, you know, I've been away from teaching for the last three weeks, and I'm so grateful for the rest and for the time to recharge, and I hope that you've enjoyed the guest preachers that we've invited in, but I just want to say that I'm glad to be back this morning and teaching. You know, it's been a few weeks since we left off studying the life of Peter. And when we left off with this study, we were at a point in time where Peter and the other disciples were, they were beginning to learn that Jesus was more than a great teacher and moral example. Uh, They realized that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ. And if you remember, Jesus instructed his disciples to actually be quiet about it. He told them, look, don't tell anybody that I'm the Christ because he said it wasn't yet his time to die. Well, we pick up today much later in the story of Jesus, and Jesus is now publicly proclaiming to be the Messiah. He's doing miracles publicly. He's claiming that he has the authority to forgive sins. And he even raised his friend Lazarus from the dead in front of a large crowd. And all of this, now in the story, has incited the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman authorities against him. I mean, they want Jesus dead. And the plan actually is already in motion to have Jesus executed. And Jesus knows this. He knows that he's about to die. And in fact, in our passage today, John chapter 13, Jesus is less than 24 hours away from being buried inside a tomb. And so you're like, well, what does Jesus do with his final evening? Well, he takes... Peter and his closest disciples, and he organizes a meal with them. And at this supper, Jesus is going to give them his final departing words and lessons. And in light of his impending death, Jesus is going to demonstrate the full extent of his love for these disciples. And he does it in the most dramatic way possible. Verse 4 says that Jesus rose from supper He takes Peter and his closest disciples and he organizes a supper with them. And at this meal, Jesus is, he's going to give them his final departing words and lessons. And in light of his impending death, Jesus is going to demonstrate the full extent of his love for these disciples. And he does so in the most dramatic way possible. Verse 4 says that Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What what I am doing now you do not understand, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean. Now, I know that our sermon series is a study on the life of Peter, but as you've seen so far in this series, it's really all about Jesus. The goal for us in this series, for you and for me, is to better understand and respond to Jesus. And we do this by considering how Peter understood and responded to Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is is to look at what this story here tells us about the person of Jesus. And then we can learn some things about ourselves by the way that Peter responds to him. And so in this passage, we really see the entire thrust of Jesus' life and purpose on display. 
And the first thing we see is that Jesus steps down from His place of glory. See, in this story, Jesus is surrounded by His disciples. They honor Him. They worship Him. They revere Him. All eyes are on Him. All glory is His. And He's seated at the head of the table, the place of honor. But Jesus then does something shocking and unexpected. He gets up from the table. He strips off His outer garment. He ties a towel around His waist. He takes a water basin and He kneels low to the ground at the feet of His disciples and begins washing their feet. And the disciples were so absolutely stunned by this. I mean, when Jesus gets to Peter, Peter cries out, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. Peter says, Lord, I cannot let you do this. It's just too demeaning. It's too humiliating. I can't let you do this. You know, my son, my oldest child, has a genuine, full-blown phobia of feet. So if you're sitting on a couch in your bare feet and you stretch out your legs and your feet get anywhere near him, He loses it, and He will either take off across the room, or He will shame you with the most disdainful stare you've ever seen. (laughs) He doesn't like feet. And really, who can blame Him? I mean, feet are kind of gross and kind of weird. But I want you to imagine for a moment, first century Jerusalem. It is a hot and dry and dusty climate. Everyone's wearing sandals and their sweaty feet. I mean, their feet were dirty, grimy, and smelly. And so bending down to wash someone's feet, that that was just nasty. In fact, it was so demeaning that Jewish rabbis enacted a law that said that Jewish servants, slaves, could not even be asked to unlatch their master's sandals because it would bring them too close to feet. And in this culture, they understood that getting near someone's feet was so humiliating that even their slaves had legal protections from having to touch someone's feet. But here in this story, Jesus, the master, he's the master, yet he's going lower than even a servant. He steps down from the place of honor and relinquishes all of his rights and his protections. And he goes near even the dirtiest parts of who his disciples are. And he serves. He loves others in spite of who he is. That's the humility of Jesus. He steps down to us. And the Scriptures tell us that Jesus has existed for all eternity at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He was there when the world was created and all things are held by Him and sustained through Him. I mean, on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago, Jesus descended from the place of highest honor, His throne in heaven, and He became a child. He entered into our broken world and His life on earth eventually led to this very moment where Jesus is on His knees washing the feet of ordinary men. You see, we can never understand the purpose of Jesus' life and the vast measure of His love for us if we don't first understand just how far He stepped down to be with us. Jesus stepped down from His place of glory. He stepped down from the head of the table to wash the disciples' feet. And He stepped down from heaven to draw near to us. But Jesus doesn't just humbly step down from the place of honor for no reason. He goes to the greatest depths to wash us, to cleanse us. You see, the washing of feet actually points to something much greater than washing feet itself. And that's the second thing I want you to see this morning, is that Jesus sacrifices Himself, all of Himself, for sinners. You know, I love the conversation between Jesus and Peter here. You know, when Jesus comes to Peter, uh, Peter says, Jesus, what are you doing? You can't do this. You can't wash my feet. But Jesus says, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing right now. But afterward, 
you're going to understand. And the key word here is afterward. Jesus is foreshadowing something here. He's telling Peter, look, I'm washing your feet right now, but I'm going to do something that is far greater than that. And when you see it, you'll actually be able to look back and see what the foot washing was all about. In Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus' humility goes far beyond just washing the disciples' feet, doesn't it? Jesus humbled himself fully. He emptied himself so that he could die on a cross, something far more humiliating and far more sacrificial than just washing someone's feet. And why did he do it? And how exactly was Peter to connect having his feet washed by Jesus to seeing Jesus crucified on a cross? Well, when Jesus told Peter he was going to wash his feet, Peter said, no, you, I can't let you do that. But Jesus, the way he answered him, he said, Peter, if I don't wash you, you, you won't have any share with me. And right here, I love what Peter does. Peter, I mean, you know, Peter just, he loves Jesus. And there's nothing he wants in life more than to be with Jesus. And the thought of being separated from him was unthinkable. And so Peter swings from the other extreme from, Jesus, I can't let you wash my feet, to, all right then, Jesus, if this is what you've got to do for me to have a relationship with you, how about you go ahead and wash my, uh, my feet, my hair, and my hands while you're at it? And Jesus says, Peter, look, there's no need for all that. I'm, I'm going to wash you fully with my blood. I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to make you a new man. But you have to let me do these things for you. Ephesians 1.7 says that in Jesus we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Jesus lowers Himself to save us. He becomes like us. He draws near to us and then He dies our death. But in order to be forgiven, to be cleansed, we must be humble ourselves and allow Jesus to do the work for us. You see, Peter had a really difficult time allowing Jesus to wash his feet. And we've seen twice in this sermon series that Peter really didn't want Jesus to die on a cross for him. He's always trying to stop Jesus. And anytime Jesus brings up the cross, he's like, I don't want to hear it. He wanted Jesus, not, he didn't want Jesus to die for him. He wanted Jesus to save him a different way. But without the cross, without, total, without the total humility and sacrifice of Jesus, Peter just, he could not experience the fullness of Jesus. And without the cross, Peter would still be lost in his sins. You know, when I think of so many of us, one of the things that hinders us from really experiencing the love of Jesus is our pride. You know, there's really two types of pride here. There's the pride that says, I don't need Jesus. I don't need God's forgiveness. And, you know, that, this is the person who just doesn't have any need for God because they, they think they're fine and they're strong without Him. But, you know, there's another type of pride that's just as dangerous. And it's the pride that says, I can't let Jesus wash me because I'm just not worthy of it. This is the person who says, you know, I've done things that God can never forgive. And I've seen this thing that people do before where people come to church and they'll attend worship services. And, you know, you can tell in their eyes that they believe in Jesus and that they love Jesus. But you can see that they're just holding something back that they're content to just sit to the side and to just observe. 
And if you really start peeling back the layers of what's going on in their heart, you'll, they'll say, you know, they might say, you know, I love Jesus and I like coming to church, but, you know, I can't do all of the great things that some of these other Christians do for God. I can't serve others. I can't sing too loud. I can't fully participate. I can't go all in. Because I'm not like everybody else. If, if people knew what I've done or if they knew what I have thought or if they knew who I am, they would never want to hear anything I have to say about God. And God certainly doesn't need me up front doing anything for Him. And so people sit back and they let others experience the fullness and the joy of knowing God, but they never experience it for themselves. And that actually is a form of pride as well. And it's pride because you are believing that your sin and your past and your personality is somehow too dirty to be fully and completely washed away by Jesus. And you're minimizing the salvation of, of Jesus. And you're minimizing the cross. But here's what you need to understand. You don't serve Christ because you're special or because you've lived up to some standard. You serve Christ because He has first served you. And this is exactly the point that Jesus makes here. As soon as Jesus is finished washing His disciples' feet, He gets up, He goes back to the table, and He says to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also, to, you, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You see, Peter, his whole life in relation to Jesus was him trying to tell Jesus, Jesus, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. I'm not enough. I'm too rough around the edges. And Jesus over and over again reminds Peter, Peter, I didn't choose you because you're great. I chose you because I'm great and because I want to do great things through you. And if you would just humble yourself and receive my love, you would be so much more at peace and you wouldn't even believe the ways that I can use you to bless others. And I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but some of you are like Peter and you're not experiencing the fullness of Jesus because you're just not convinced that you're worthy of it. And of course you're not, but it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Jesus wants to draw near to you. He wants to wash you fully and present you as clean before God and the world. And He wants to call you to do as He did. And to stop thinking of yourself, but to lower yourself, humble yourself, and serve others for His sake because He has first served you. And church, this is what I want for your life. That's what I want for us, that we would be a humble people who have the humility to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Because it takes humility to receive the gift like this that you don't deserve. But I also want us to be imitators of Jesus. In the same way that He lowered Himself for our sake, I want us, I want us to be a people that lower ourselves for the sake of our neighbors and for one another. Jesus said in this passage, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. We love because He first loved us. That is the message of, of Jesus. Jesus stoops low to save us because we can never save ourselves. And we need God to become a man and take on flesh and become like us so that He can save us. 
Jesus stoops low so that He can lift us up. But He lifts us up to the place of honor and glory because we are called children of God. But what do we do with that place of honor? We do just what Jesus did. And we step down from it so that we can serve others just like Christ. And so church, today I want you to know what it means to receive the love of Jesus. You, Jesus... He's offering His forgiveness to you. He's offering to wash you and cleanse you. Will you be prideful and reject it? Or will you receive it with, 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 as grace? And if you've received the grace of Jesus, then we are to humble ourselves and be like our Savior. Humble ourselves before our neighbors. Humble ourselves before our spouse. Humble ourselves before our city and before our church so that others may know the love and the forgiveness and the joy of knowing Christ. Let me pray for you this morning, church. Our Father, who is in heaven, God, Your name is great, and Your name is greatly to be praised. And God, we thank You that You humbled Yourself and that You became like us. You became a man. You lived the life we can never live and died the death that we deserve so that we could have the reward of, the li- of your life. And when you kicked open the grave on Easter Sunday, you made a new life possible for us so we don't have to live in our sin and our shame, but we can be welcomed into your kingdom and called children of God. And God, as your children, as your chosen people, God, would you give us the humility to lower ourselves, to humble ourselves, and to serve our city and to serve our neighbors so that they can know you and your love. God, give us the strength, the courage, the humility to do those things today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.